But over here in Luke chapter 23, I'm going to be preaching from 32 through 34. And I'm going to take a look at the cross. We're going to try to understand it a little bit better. Um, and what the, 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 you know, again, this is an, kind of an early Easter message, if you will. But what this meant, uh, what, as, I, as I was telling you just a second ago, this whole thing, the whole Bible, all leading up to this point, is nothing more than the love of God towards humanity. On this Valentine's Day. It all leads up to an epic moment. To where God does the most epic work. That God himself comes down from heaven. And displays a kind of love. That humanity has never known. One that was sacrificial in nature. One that was divine in nature. One that, that pushed Jesus and compelled Jesus to do what He did. He didn't do what He did on the cross, going to the cross and giving His life because He had to. He did that because He wanted to. He did that. He said, no one takes my life from me. That's what Jesus said. He said, I give it. It was an act of supreme love for us. The kind of love that mankind at that time did not know. That's what made Jesus different than all the other religious leaders of His day. And that's why the people in groves flocked to Him. That's why we see in the Scripture, you see thousands of people coming to Jesus' crusades, if you will. It was because the difference in Jesus and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, the difference in Him was the genuine, sincere love that He had for the people who He was ministering to. He wasn't like all the others who wanted to just come in and read through the stuff and say a few words and get paid and go home and be respected and get their fame and get their... their, their, their prominent seats in the synagogue and in places in society and, and people respected them and just bowed before them, so to speak. Jesus wasn't like that. He had a genuine concern for people. And, and I'm going to tell you why. One is we are His creation. We are made in His very own image. He made us. We are His children. The Bible says that everything that was made was made for Him and by Him. Jesus created us. That's what the Scripture says. He made us and He loves us. We were made different than the angels and any other, uh, any other beings that was created. We were given a living, living soul. No other being has that. No other animal has that. No other creature has that. But humans have a soul. And a soul can be redeemed. It can be filled with the love of God. It can be inherited by God. It can be, God can, can come into a soul and reside with you. It is a unique, very unique creation. 
That's a soul. People say, when Jesus comes into my heart, let me tell you, animals can be, we know this because of the, the, the demons that came into and possessed these animals. But possession is not what I'm talking about when it comes to a soul. God doesn't possess us. He comes into us and, 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 and lives within us. He does not control us and take us over. But His divine presence causes the soul to be renewed, restored, and born again. That's the unique thing about a soul. And that's what makes us different than any other created being. Is your ability to be born again. Redeemed. Delivered. Set free. Restored regenerated is your soul animals don't have one they can't be redeemed understand that a dog a giraffe an elephant can't be redeemed the bible says the spirit of man goes up the spirit of an animal goes down However, there are animal life mentioned in heaven because they're creations of God. But you are unique in the fact that you are made in God's image and God made you a living, breathing soul. So there's several parts to you, mind, spirit, soul, your ability to think, your ability to, to be able to, to have thought and perception is very unique. The Spirit of God was breathed into you. you. You were given the breath of life, but you were also given a soul. That's very important when looking at the cross because people didn't look at Jesus theologically as he was hanging on the cross. But we as preachers who are supposed to know the word have to you know, give you the real meaning and understanding of what put him there. Redemption. Your soul and the value of it. Jesus knew something so important that, that the people didn't consider back then. That if He didn't do what He was going to do, He was going to lose you forever. That the temptation that came to man in the garden with Adam and with Eve took from God the ability to dwell with man because man sinned and contaminated himself with sin, which light and darkness cannot dwell together. Sin and righteousness have no place together. And you cannot have fellowship with God when you're fellowshipping with the devil. Okay? So God had to restore this. And He could, he could do this because you have a soul. Okay? Very important to understand this. 
And so the separation that happened between man and God was more than what God could stand because He loves us so much. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Christ had to come to redeem us and to restore us. He knew this. If He did not do what He was going to do, there would be absolutely 0% chance of any of us making it to heaven, we all would have went to hell and received our just reward for our sinful fall. It was a debt we could not pay. It was a scar that would never heal. And it was something we could never overcome. Man cannot redeem himself. God knows this. We now know this. The people back then thought, well, the law will redeem me. By my good works, I will be redeemed and I will go to heaven. They never considered the spiritual scar or the spiritual stain that had to be cleansed. But God knew that it was not physical things or religion. And religion... Mind you, listen to me carefully. Religion killed Christ. Always remember that. Religious people killed God. Now, I'm not talking about killing God, but I'm talking, you know what I mean. Religion is a terrible thing. Don't ever be religious. Have relationship with God. Be a Christian. Actually, Christianity is not a religion. Look that up and you'll find that to be true. But religion and religious people put Jesus on the cross. So when someone asks you, are you a religious person? Say, I would never hang Jesus on the cross. Religion did that. So the unique thing about this, let's take a good look at the cross here. And I want to read these verses of Scripture to you. And it says right here, Two other men, both of them criminals, were also led out to be put to death with Jesus. Now, this is a a different version that I like. Every now and again, I'll study from, it's called Today's English Version. That's a cool version to read if you want an amplified meaning of the Scripture. Today's English Version, T-E-V. That is a very cool uh, version. Two other men, both of them criminals, were also led out to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place called the Skull, or Golgotha, They crucified Jesus there and the two criminals, one on his right hand and the other on his left. And Jesus said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they are doing. Now I want to take a look at that. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus for your unction of the Holy Spirit. 
For your anointing, Lord God, help us, guide us, and lead us. And hide us behind the cross as we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mankind was on an, a, a spiritual fast track to destruction. And every single time God would send prophets to Israel to try to help them and show, him, show them His love, the religious leaders would kill the prophets. That's why, that's why Christianity right now is so persecuted by all other religions. is because religion is controlled by the devil. Christianity, relationship with God, is truly controlled by the spirit of the one and only true God. <clears throat> Satan will use religion every single time. And every single time God would send the prophets down to give them a message to bring them back into fellowship with him, they would kill them. <clears throat> Imagine, I mean, all that God wanted to do was to show the people how much he loved them by sending his word to them. And they hated that notion so bad that they killed the messengers. That is almost insane to think of it that way. That when somebody loves you so much and they're trying to help you, 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 you cast them out and, and kill them. So the same type of thing goes on today. Because people have forgotten and, and, and the Christian church kind of, you know, we grow kind of cold and callous because we've, we've really forgotten about what that cross and what happened on it really signifies and what it really means. It, when you take a deep look at it and you engage it, you see the greatest love story ever told. You see somebody giving their life for you as a mom or a dad. Have you ever, have you ever said, or, or anybody for that matter, you ever looked at someone and said, I love you so much I would give my life for you. Okay? That's what I'm talking about right here. And that's exactly what he did. Okay? Mankind needed a Savior to get it back into fellowship with God. We had to have it. We couldn't keep the law. We couldn't save ourselves. And we were totally helpless in this effort, in this drama. We were poor, as the scripture says, blind, naked, and wretched. We just inherited that. It's just something that befell us. It's just, it's just, it's, it's nobody's fault. I, I want you to know that the worst of society, the worst of people, they're really good when you get down to where the creation part of it. It's just all the layers that were piled on top of them and people who have engaged sin and like, like it. But I tell you, God loves that person. And he wants to save that person, even the most wretched, even the most hideous. God has a desire to save that person. 
when you think about it, the cross was really the only way for Jesus to really die. And this is an interesting contrast. You know, the song says, the old rugged cross, right? How many people in here would like to hear Rich go ahead and sing that for us real quick? I will. Let's get Rich started. Ready? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The hit it, Rich. Hit. It says the emblem of suffering and shame. Right. Then it goes on to say. How I love that old cross where the dearest and best. Right? Then it goes on to say, for a world of lost sinners. The emblem of suffering and shame. It had to be that way. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. This is why Jesus had to die on the cross. When you understand that the cross was the cross was the the place that was reserved it was the disciplinary action that was reserved for the most wretched and the most wicked of sinners Well you say in your mind, well, how could, why would Jesus have to die on what was reserved for society's most wretched, wicked, and sinful? I mean, you think of the worst crime that you could ever commit, that, that's who got crucified. But you say in your heart, Jesus was kind and loving and He knew no sin. And He was the Son of God. Why? Well, that's a great question, but that's exactly why. Because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the apostle Paul said this, Christ had no sin. And this is called the new century version. This is a cool version. Christ had no sin. But God made him become sin so that in Christ we could become right with God. You see how you can use other versions to help you study? Okay? Listen to this again. Christ had no sin, but God made him become sin so that in Christ we could become right. With God, or as some versions say, the righteousness of God. But it's hard for some pe people to understand well, what does it mean for me to be the righteousness of God? So this amplifies that and tells you so that we could become right with God. So it is such a contrast that you take someone so holy, so loving, so without sin. And then put all of your and all of the whole world's disgusting sins upon him. I'm talking about from every pedophile 
from every rapist, from every murderer of all kinds, of every wicked deed ever done in mankind's history was put upon Jesus. So it was absolutely appropriate that He who became that kind of sin be crucified. Because that's the contrast, you see. That's the contrast. He that knew no sin became that sin. Why? Because He loves you so. Man, He loves you so. Do you realize how clean and holy He is? You know, we're told in the Scripture that light and darkness cannot dwell together, but yet for that moment, they did. For that moment, all natural and spiritual rules were broken because He loved you so. Think about that. God in the flesh became sin. How did that take place? I thought light and darkness could not dwell together. I thought that you couldn't sit at the supper table of the devil and sit at the supper table of God. Well, you cannot. And he did not. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Jay? Now I'm totally lost. Well, listen to what he said. Even though Jesus had took on himself and became all of this sin, here's where you and I really come into this. And here's where our struggle in our daily life from the love of God perspective really takes place. Because even though he became all this wretchedness, and he was surrounded by it at the cross. And they were wailing upon him. And, and they, were, they were saying all kinds of evil upon him. And they were speaking all kinds of blasphemies to him. Listen to what he said. This is a man who became sin. So that you could believe in him. And become, the right, become right with God. He said this, even though he was filled with this iniquity, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You know what that did? You know what that says? That says you don't have to give in to sin because it's all around you. You don't have to let sin control you you got to say over it. You don't have to be let your, let, a, let, let your predicament control what you do and how you behave, what you say. Because greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Because the love of God is stronger than the hatred of the devil. The love of God is more powerful than the wickedness of Satan. And Jesus, who was filled with the love of God, with nine inch spikes through his hands and through his feet, who endured a mock trial, a form of a Senate impeachment. Come on, you got to laugh at that. Come on. <laughs> who went through all of that 
who was bludgeoned and beaten with the cat of nine tails, sorely mistreated, who was at this point becoming very dehydrated and very ill in the body, decided that even upon the cross, as he was struggling to breathe and was suffocating to death, said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Only divine love could do that. So it was only right that we get to look at the cross and understand it just a little bit that even under such enormous weight of sin, as Christians oftentimes find themselves in, that we have the ability to overcome the oppression of the devil. And we have the ability in the midst of terrible times to look up to heaven and see things in a different light and see people in a different light and look at the most wicked and pray for them. And let me tell you, Jesus prayed that prayer. And I tell you, as a, as a father, I know it had to be hard for God to watch His Son go through that. Perhaps if Jesus would not have prayed it, maybe God would have changed His mind and said, I'm done with this wicked people. My Son, come off of that cross and wipe us out. Because He could have done that. He could have at any moment, as He Himself said, called down from, from heaven legions of angels and wiped us off this earth. But love kept that from happening. The love of God kept that from happening. Because God so loved the world. Man, it's, it's, it's really hard sometimes to see past wickedness at this level and see through it and say, okay, I love them even though they hate me. You think about that. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. That's what it says. We didn't love Him. But He loved you first. And He still loves you. And He still picks you up. And He still wipes you off. And He still bathes you. And makes you clean spiritually. And He understands your struggles. And He loves you so. He loves you so much. And He wants you to walk with Him. And we are in some terrible times right now. And if we're not careful, we could not see things as God sees things. 
So if we re-examine the Scripture and we try to see things as God sees them through the lens of the cross, then where are we really in the timeline of humanity? Where are we in the prophetic discussion? Perhaps that changes things. Maybe the worse the world becomes, the more godly you and I have to become. Amen? Stand with me.